Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. Uh, thanks, Steve. I'm Scott, and it's another episode of the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. I'm joined by Matthew. How are you? I'm good, Scotty. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Uh, a bit mixed feelings because it's our last time. We're doing a review, but no preview. So I thought we'll jump into the review straight up. Yeah, the Bulldogs go down to the Panthers at ANZ Stadium, 42 points to nil. In a game that was hard to find positives for the club, but one positive from last weekend, Scotty, come from Thursday night when the Cowboys defeated the Broncos 32 points to 16, which gave the Brisbane Broncos their first ever wooden spoon, but saved us from taking home NRL's most unwanted prize. Well, that one was a bit of a tossy-turny type of game, and... You know, it was 16 all at one stage, and Broncos were leading 12-0. And then the Cowboys ended up winning, so we don't get the wooden spoon. I was very excited. I was I was cheered. But that's why I felt like I wasn't overly upset when we lost. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think I was more emotionally invested in the Cowboys beating the Broncos <laughs> than, um, than the Bulldogs playing, even though I was at the game. <laughs> but the one of the funny things that I might mention about the game is that it was 42-0 Penrith. There was a few goal kicks. Nathan Cleary missed three goal kicks. However, the Panthers probably could have scored another 30 points that was that were toying with the Bulldogs. Jerome Luai wanted to run sideways and have a bit of fun. It looked like a training run. I don't know about toying, but they definitely let a few opportunities go in that first half, so they probably could have got another three or four tries. Mm. I just feel like Jerome Luai was just having fun. It looked like he was playing in the backyard. He was making... It was that easy for him. Well, they look very classy. They didn't land the Penrith Panthers. And congratulations to them for winning the minor premiership and um, being able to celebrate that with their fans in the in a COVID-safe way on Sunday. Was it Sunday or Saturday? Saturday, wasn't it? Saturday, 3 p.m. <laughs> uh, I don't know what the crowd Saturday, was. Yeah. Actually, what that's a talking point is the, the crowd attendance. They was... haven't announced the crowd figure, yeah. So I think uh, it was exactly 10,000 people. <laughs> I don't know, but that was it. Was actually good. To, I wanted to bring the crowd because it was the first time this year we we know of all the circumstances and capped crowds that it actually felt like when you're sitting there, the actual build up to a game, and you look around and people started coming to their seats and everything. But I don't know that. I, pen, I felt just, I felt that way for the South game though as well, even though it wasn't our home game. I oh did, yeah, I did feel uh, anticipation and atmosphere in the air before kickoff. It's been some games this year. The crowd's been. So low due to COVID and our poor performance that uh, doesn't feel like a game's coming, but it just kicks off. Yeah, and, but this week you had like the anticipation, the fans rocking into the stadium, they're walking in. There had to be a 70-30 split with Panthers leading the crowd. That was ridiculous amount of noise. It was that bad that when the Panthers ran out, we forgot the Bulldogs were coming. The Panthers <laughs> made that much noise that... I, I, I think I said to you on the day, Scott, and whoever else was around us, but I don't ever want to hear a Penrith Panther fan complain about how hard it is to get to ANZ Stadium. Uh, as you said, they outnumbered us 7-3, to three, maybe even more. Um, large number of Penrith fans in the crowd, and they enjoyed the day, which was great. But um, let's, let's let go of the whole how hard is it to get to ANZ Stadium. Seriously, jump on a train and get left, left off at the doorstep. Go on the M4 from Penrith into right on Olympic Park. Car park right on the doorstep as well. So it's really easy. Um, but yeah, it was terri- oh terrific atmosphere. The Panthers just roaring through the stadium when they ran out. That So much so that I seriously think everyone forgot the Bulldogs were coming. That Kieran Holland led the team out. 
to a reception of Panthers fans still waving their flags and making noise. And the Bulldogs fans were, I know, in all. I got, I lost it in, into the the how many Panthers fans, especially on the opposite end, we were sitting on. How many were they? You know, yeah. there. But there was actually for a game what had not much positives. There was drama. There was talking points before the game even kicked off with a departing player, Aiden Tolman. He was about to break Steve Price's record, go up in the into seven into sixth spot in the top ten games for the club. Pulled out with a calf injury before kickoff. That was about forty minutes before the, the game started. He was out. Dean Britt came in and just to put a reshuffle with uh, Suasa Su starting. Heartbreaking. Very much heartbreaking. Well, right up to that moment, the Bulldogs were on track for a big upset against the Pedro Panthers, and it was just a challenge that was uh, too hard to overcome. <laughs> but how heartbreaking is it, though? Like, you've got somebody who's played 10 years for your club, who's put his body on the line, you never have a... No, no players had a negative word about him. He definitely deserved to, to go out in a better fashion, but yeah, that's life, I guess, unfortunately. Well, one of his quotes was after the game was... I thought was interesting. He said, if this was my last game for the club, keeping a door ajar, possibly that he's willing to negotiate again for one of his hosts wanted. Well, uh, he was presented with a going away gift of full time. So, unfortunately, I think that's the last we see of Aiden Tom. Well, so was Michael Leacher. But anyway, he said, if this, was, <laughs> if this was the end of my time at the club, my last game, I went out as a winner. I beat Souths. So that's something I can be happy with. That just guess- fuels my... Um... My conspiracy theory prior to kickoff <laughs> made mention that prior to kickoff, he's pulled out so his last game for the dogs could be that victory against Souths. There's no calf injury. <laughs> well, it's been there all year at the very least that he's been playing with before. Before also, Lachlan Lewis had to withdraw. He was withdrawn from the 21-man squad before kickoff. Oh, well, the day before, which let Jack Cogger come into the side uh, which was a f- nice fitting way to see someone, a departing player, get a spot in the starting lineup, I guess, with also Jake Avrilo also out with a calf injury. So we, we lost Lewis the day before and Jake Avrilo the day before. Tolman on game day is withdrawn from the match. So that was a big loss. Then in the game, I think this is an, a talking point when not being mentioned. Jaden Ockenbore ruptured his ACL in the 25th minute and potentially might not play a game next season, depending on recovery. Mm. Six to nine months is usually the recovery time, but some can be up to 12. Uh, Jack Cogger only played 41 minutes. He injured his groin in the first couple of minutes of the game, and you see him struggling after the Panthers scored their first try, him laying on the ground. He Once he went off, he came back on, and he couldn't go much longer in the second half. He played 41 minutes. And then Raymond Fatale, a mariner, was injured. Josh Jackson went off for a HIA. I mean, I'm not saying it changes the game, but there was a lot of injuries. There was a lot of uh, bruised bodies at full time. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just... <laughs> yeah, it's well, a... look, I don't think we're ever going to beat the Panthers, but probably gives you a couple of uh, reasons why it was such a one-sided game on the day. Well, it's it's just sad that Jack Hoggett depart- also was given a departing gift, couldn't finish the game. Yeah. Uh, Jaden Ockenball, he started looking good. He's, he's playing some good footy. And we all were scratching our head. Why is he back in the, the starting side? We didn't think he was going to play this year. We thought, if anything, he'll be back next year. Just training the boys this year. Got into the wing, making meters. He did really well. Role, in fact, One of the better it, performing players on the team. 
yeah, he's been really he's performed really well. And it's a really uh, good decision, I think, from Steve John Giles. But I think majority of the fans, if I could speak on behalf of them, didn't think that he would be in this year. Thought he would be just left in the reserves. And no, yeah, we've touched on that right? previously. Yes, yeah, so and then he was out. One of our better performing, Raymond Fatale Mariner couldn't finish off the game. It was a a very very tough day, both scoreboard and on the body from some Bulldogs players. Absolutely. Uh, we'll start to go through. Oh, I've got one player to highlight in our points to give out, Scotty. I'm highlighting Dallin Watelli Zelesiak, 18 runs, 125 metres, 36 post contact metres, and a tackle break. So uh, good to see him get uh, up there with the metres again. But my points this week for the, uh, well, the overall uh, player of the season for the podcast I gave one point to Raymond Fatala Mariner, 14 runs for 113 metres, 61 post-contact metres and 26 tackles. And I gave two points to Luke Thompson for his 18 runs, 173 metres, 59 post-contact metres and 37 tackles. I'm not going to say too much because my highlighted player was Raymond Fatala Mariner for all those yep. reasons you've said. My one point is actually Josh Jackson, the captain. He moved the lock 17, uh, 67 minutes, uh, 13 runs, 91 metres, 40 post-contact metres and 41 tackles. He had the, a bit, lot more workload left on his shoulders in the middle of the field with no Aiden Tolman. I thought he played well. And two points went to uh, Luke Thompson, which is, again, what you've mentioned. I want to also just add, he, some of his runs looked like he was shot out of a cannon and ping-pawing off. He has looked a lot better since being moved from lock forward into prop forward or front row forward. Uh, he has been, yeah, he's been really good at that position, so look forward to seeing him in 2021. Uh, that gives us the leaderboard, Scotty. How are we going to do this? Top three? Well, yeah, I'd like you to announce it all. It was your idea at the start of the season. <laughs> we'll announce the top three. So in third spot, like I mean, this is really going to highlight how poor of a season we've had, unfortunately, but in third spot with 12 points from throughout the season, Adam Elliott. Wasn't he... Did he not... Wasn't he level with Nick Meany? Yep. Oh, okay. There you go. Adam okay. Elliott on 12 points there in third spot. Uh, and I think he missed, what, the last eight games or something. He missed a lot. <laughs> something he missed like half that, the so. season. That was so, that shoulder. Good, good first half to the year. Tied in second spot on 16 points. Nick Meany and Raymond Fatala Mariner. Oh, that's where Nick went. Okay, I knew at one stage I thought he was level, and I've lost him in the counting. Yep. That's how top and... secret the counting is. <laughs> and on 20 points, the NRL Bulldogs fans, the podcast player of the year, is Aiden Tolbert. It says something, because we're going to talk about the awards night the Bulldogs just did at the end. We're just, this is our top player and the Bulldogs' top player are not going to be there next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you made uh, reference in our pre-recording chat to a fan pointing out that we may have just let go our two best players. <laughs> yes, which is exciting, I guess. <laughs> Let's jump into those awards. Well, yeah, I'll, we'll go into the awards. Uh, for those who didn't know, on Tuesday morning was the awards day. Very different. COVID has changed the world a little bit. Uh, the Peter Warren Community Award went to Adam Elliott. Uh, again, the start of the season after the bushfires, 
when they went up north to Buenos Aires, the Raiders, Adam Elliott was a very, uh, he was always in the schools. But then most recently, his blue hair, dying for autism awareness and raising money in inspiration of his older brother. That's his second year in a row. Adam Elliott loves the community stuff. He's a legend of a, of a bloke. No one deserved it more. The Coaches Award, and you joked before the recording, did Dean Pay get to say, no, this was just Steve John Jarlis. But it'll be interesting what Dean Pay had to say. Raymond Fatale Mariner was the winner of the award. Well, Dean Pay might have said uh, Christian Crichton, <laughs> who, who was running second before being dropped for the rest of the season. Yeah. The, he Les John's club person of the year has gone to a player who didn't play this season, Jackson Topine. Now, the reason why he's been given it, he was the ball boy for the season for the Bulldogs. He was in the bubble. He's a 19-year-old. Uh, he, such a team-like effort. I mean, you can see some of the highlights. Well, his training highlights, I guess, in the sense of him actually lifting the team up. He shows a, a mature head on young shoulders, which is good to see. But also... What position does he play, do you know, sorry? Not off the top of my head, actually, but... You might I'm just thinking it. I've seen him drop a few uh, conversions throughout the course of the season. So I hope he's not a winger or a fullback. <laughs> there you go. But it's such a good thing. Like, to be ball boy, you always want to be on the field. But he... Yeah, I, invaluable experience when you think about it. Uh, with the lower crowds as well, he'd be able to hear exactly what was being said on the field throughout the games. So to be able to be that close and personal with the first-grade team... Uh, that experience, I'm sure, will go a long way to helping him in the rest of his career. Yeah, uh, well said. Uh, Rookie of the Year, it's no surprise. The Steve Mortimer uh, Award goes to Jake Avrilo. There really wasn't anyone else who could really put their hand up for that award. But it, in saying well, that, it was Matt, very well. Matt had a really good end to the season, but didn't get enough game time over the course of the season. Finished injured, as Avrilo did, but at least he, had a good, he got the full season in. Yeah, but it was... I think he, I don't want to take the award away from him. I think the way he played this season, it was a very deserved winner of the award. Oh, absolutely. It, yeah. yeah, so it should be something to be proud of. Um, now, this one is scratched. A few people have scratched their head over this one, the noodle scratcher. is the Dr. George Proponis Award, which is the best player of the year. The player of the year goes to Kieran Foran. Now, for those who don't know, they actually ask the players, and this is a player's poll, so it's... The best of the players' players. So they're going to pick two players, one getting two, one getting one. For each match. For each match. So each player gets to walk around. Obviously, you don't pick yourself, but... Basically, uh, what we did for our podcast player of the year award without the bonus points. Yes, correct. And Kieran Four in the back end of the season got a few, got plenty of points where he was either polling at one or two with a lot of the players and was able to get up the ladder. Winning the player, so when you win a player's player and the second best player, so they tally the players. The best player gets two points. The second most mentioned name gets one. So, so two points for the most mentioned, one point for the second most mentioned type of thing. Kieran four and one on that. So it's a weird one because each club does it slightly different when it comes to their player of the year awards. Uh, Looks like very hard, different to judge as a player on the field compared to people watching it or a commentator. And the reason I say that is because, you know, you, I'm sure what you see before the game, during the game, what's been happening in the sheds and, you know, all that type of stuff comes into, I think, a player thing. And, you know, inspirational tackle can change it, even though we might say, well, that was one tackle or one run. 
and someone's been consistent over the game, players might say that was the breakthrough run. Without that, and so players, players can switch a little bit differently to a so-called expert watching it on Fox League. So that's why he won it. And I'm going to say he's actually a deserved winner of it, in a sense. Like, I was surprised, but when they explained how their points got raised, sometimes effort on effort and all that, and that's how you get noticed. But yeah, you would have got, got a fair few points for him just being inspirational and yeah. being out on the field, you would imagine, absolutely. Yeah, so when you explain like that, then yeah, you probably see why he wins it. If it was done probably from a, a legends, a group, if they got a group of legends together in a room. Well, the other way to look at it, the... Scott, is that he's a half. So he does a lot of talking out on the field, whether we think he's having a good game or a bad game. So maybe that's where a lot of his points come from, his communication. Yeah. I mean, and I think it changes slightly when it comes, if, if they had a group of like three Bulldogs legends or something judging it for the whole year. Yeah, I mean, perhaps. Shafted differently. Uh, we'll look, we'll do some of the news and some of the news, I want to actually have some of your opinion on it. So, as we said before, the Bulldogs farewelled eight players at ANZ Stadium on Saturday after the game. You brought a good talking point to me. I want to bring up on the podcast. You said after that, maybe we should have farewelled the players first and then did the minor premiership celebrations for the Panthers second. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, after- well, it just seemed a bit um, fantastic for the club to celebrate or to help Pedro celebrate the minor premiership. Uh, I don't know if that was the club's decision or decision from the NRL, but the way the club handled themselves on game day was very respectful. And I was, as a Bulldogs fan, very something to be proud of. Uh, but perhaps the farewell to the players should have happened before that because it did feel like a bit of a, a lull after the. Uh, high-flying celebrations of Penrith Panthers and their players rightfully celebrating and running around the field with the trophy. So perhaps... Oh, the other the other thing to it is that there'd probably be more fans in the stands uh, to actually give those players a proper farewell. I know a few uh, few fans left before the siren, and uh, that's another topic, but that's something that really annoys the heck out of me. But, um, yeah, there was a few other fans that left either after full-time or during the presentation to the Panthers or waiting around for the presentation to the Panthers. So perhaps the uh, player send-off should have happened beforehand, more people in the crowd, um, less of a letdown type of atmosphere after the after uh, Penrith running around, running around with the trophy. And then I suppose you could do the trophy uh, presentation, the JJ Gilson Shield, and leave everyone could leave the ground on a high. Mm. I actually agree. I agree with that. But uh, one thing I want to just pay credit, to, like give massive credit to the Penrith Panthers. A lot of their players stayed back and watched the Bulldogs players and clapped the Bulldogs players, the parting players off. I think majority of them. I, yeah. I don't know if any of them actually left. I'm not going to say for sure that they didn't, but if, I felt like the whole Penrith Panthers team was still out on the field. Yeah, so big credit to them to stay on and clap the departing players. But another thing I want to mention, not just the the departing... We were departing eight players, like we've already mentioned, but someone like Aiden Thomas. For me, if you play 10 years for a club, I think you deserve a big send-off. And I understand he didn't play the game, and that was on game day decision that he was withdrawn injured. Like withdrawn injured. I know COVID comes into the way, but someone who's putting 10 years of service into your club at the top level, playing top grade week in and week out, I think deserved a bit better. Uh, I thought the 
I suppose the tribute videos, they spoke about they worked on them for months with when they knew players were departing the club. I just didn't think it was a very good send-off, really. They said they worked on it for a while, and it just looked like it was a two-minute thing thrown together. So I just think it was a very poor send-off. But I don't know. I mean, COVID does play a part in it and what you can do. And another talking point is where was Tim Lifei? Yeah, he wasn't present, was he? Yeah, but he was named to play, and I know he was suspended before the, he was suspended through the week, but named to play, and then he was somewhat busy on game day. That's <laughs> Maybe he'd already left the bubble. Uh, it did Maybe. allow Kieran Holland to get his farewell game in as well, though. Yes, I'm glad it gave Kieran Holland a farewell game, but yeah. Uh, we've mentioned it before, the injuries what came in. Uh, yeah, um, you spoke... Quickly, the, you. I just want to get this one because there was big news on Channel 9. I want you to quickly dismiss it for me quickly. Is that Denny Wilder was reporting players and staff were told to clean up their area or locker room slash desk for two days or a day prior to the Bulldogs vs Panthers match. That sounds like something very disrespectful to do to players when you've got November to really clean it up. Um, but however, you heard on NRL 360. Yeah, it was a couple of nights ago. They addressed it there. Apparently, that wasn't the case. That's pretty much all they, they had to say on it. Uh, it was a story that was circulating for a little bit. Uh, the, the guys on NRL 360 had a look into it, and uh, at the end of their investigation, I suppose, uh, they came up with uh, that just wasn't the case. Well, let's turn to... I'm glad that's not the case, because it's a but, bit of a well, weird way. Who, who knows of these situations, these type of stories? It could have been something as small as the players getting the notice that they'd have to clean out, clean out their locker and the staff getting notice that to clean out their office desk two days before the game or something yeah. like that. Not that it had to happen two days before the game. I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm just saying that generally in these type of stories, something small like that happens and it gets blown up to be uh, what, what, what is ended up in the papers. Yeah. Well, a story what should have made the papers, over 20, staff, oh, 20 players and 20 staff uh, visited... The Rev Bill Foundation, what helps uh, people who are homeless. Uh, oh, yeah, this was a bad Monday. Financially uh, disadvantaged, knit with uh, food, uh, support offering, chatting, and just lifting up spirits in general. 20 people from the club said they were allowed to leave the bubble on Sunday, and then they invited players to come. This was completely voluntary. No one had to put their hands up for it. You just come if you wanted to. Now, the ones I wanted to highlight, like, it's, you know, you, you had your Josh Jacksons there, obviously, and, of course, like, you know, Steve Price. But the ones I wanted to highlight was Jack Cogger for turning up. First of all, he had a groin injury, couldn't finish off the game. He's been told he's departing the club, and he still turned up in his Bulldogs gear, and I thought that was absolutely awesome. Marcelo Montoya was another one of the departing players who turned up full Bulldogs kit and all, to help out. I think that's awesome. Like, you know, you could have easily allowed them to say they, you know, not to be there. They're departing. They're not with the club next year, but they're there helping out charity with the club, representing the club as well. Yeah. A fantastic effort by the people involved. It actually was reported on by news.com.au and they took the complete wrong angle with it. They took the angle of comparing what they were doing this year to what happened in previous Mad Mondays. So very mm. poor effort by um, the reporter on that one. And I thought it, 
well, I just thought it was awesome. It was an awesome way. I don't know. I mean, the way it is. But, you know, you just got out of the bubble. The players just finally, you know, there would have been a bit of relief to get out of the bubble and they're back in it again on the grind together. And I thought those players, especially the ones departing, that was a huge effort. A huge effort to go out and do that. Um, so apparently back to all those players that should be making front news. That should be, in my opinion, I'd read a newspaper what has those stories. I I teach heating and or cooling and heating extend their partnership with the Bulldogs for an extra season. Cool. So that's awesome news. They will be at least with us until the end of the twenty twenty one season. Uh well, in the current financial situation brought on by the pandemic, it's great news to see that uh, sponsors are recommitting. We might have a little bit more news on sponsors a little bit later in the section. Yeah, it's not too far away, actually. Uh, Luke Thompson is set to miss four matches with an eye gouge on James Town now. Now, this was an interesting one because it wasn't very spotted live. It was Town made the official complaint at on the ground what saw Thompson run report. Yes. Yeah. Well, there's definitely a grabbing action around at the eye level of the head, which just can't happen. So four weeks or four matches, uh, it is what it is. Yeah, well, it's dis- what? disappointing to have a Bulldog player suspended for eye gouge, though. Actually, I don't <laughs> think he was suspended for an eye gouge, was it? The official terminology coming out of the NRL is a bit different. Mm, but the interesting thing was uh, James Townmail at halftime, he spoke about this before, he, when he was coming off, told uh, the media that he actually felt something around his eyes, nothing that hurt, nothing that pain. I was just trying to get a penalty to get my team on top. Um, and I thought that would have led to us getting a penalty. I hope there's nothing too much more of it. But sees Luke Thompson not starting the season next year. Must be frustrating when the opposing player says that, but it's not the first time this year when Sean Johnson went into bat for Kevin Proctor and he still missed a couple of games for a bite. Mm. So, that, unfortunately, it's a bit disappointing. Uh, like you were saying with the sponsors, there's a potential chance the Bulls might lose three directors this year. and. Uh, I think you have the story on you, ready to rock yeah, and roll. Yeah, so uh, it's been, it's come out, or it's been around uh, for a little while now that certain people that may be involved in the club or supporters, uh, sponsors even, are unhappy with three of the uh, directors that are currently at the club, one of them being Chair Lynn Anderson. Mm. Uh, Paul Dunn's the other, and John Borstey. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. Uh, but the news coming out well, tonight, it's from the Daily Telegraph, so take it how you will. But the Bulldogs' major sponsor, the Laundie Group, has threatened to withdraw its $2 million of sponsorship in the wake of a boardroom brawl that threatens to bring down these three directors. Now, apparently, it's understood that these three directors will resign in the coming days. Um, the trio came to power in a reform ticket in 2018, replacing Ray Dib and uh, others, but apparently oh, have been unable to turn the fortunes around. Now, former politician Craig Lordy says his family could abandon the club. Uh, he says that uh, they have the ability to walk away and they need to have confidence in the people who are running the club. They don't seem to be happy that they've signed on as major sponsor and weeks later, most of the board could be changed or removed. That's uh, 
That's huge because that they just huge. signed on this year. That's the now, first Paul, one. Paul Dunn was only recently appointed as chairman of the Canterbury Leagues Club, a position, a position he will lose if uh, he resigns from the football club. So that's another another problem there. Uh, John Borstetti has come under fire in recent days as well over his role in the laundry sponsorship and his failure to disclose his business interests in one of the family's hotels. So um, that's getting towards the corruption sort of territory there. He has a invested interest in one of the Laundy hotels, and that was failed to uh, be disclosed before the major sponsorship was was announced. It's crazy. What's happening with the club? Like, it's a yep. shame that you, you can kind of see why the results are the way it is, and players might not want to come to the club because of these type of distractions. They don't want these questions being asked in the media or things like this to be spoken about. A good run club is the players who talk about what's happening on the field. That's right. Uh, if these three directors go, that will leave Peter Mortimer, Joel Thompson, John Corey, and Adrian Turner as the surviving directors at the club. Um, and then the the team will then look at um, appointing new directors to replace the three that could be on their way out. So, yeah, in summary, um, in the coming days, the Bulldogs could lose three directors, including the chairman and our major sponsor. This is it's insane. It's going to this thing. We want a, a team to support, a team to go to the game days. Watch. We're not saying they have to win everything, but how can they? How are the players expected to win if this is hanging over their heads the yeah, whole well, year? It's been about all scandals. It's one of these stories. I feel that we just need to. Uh, it's going to be unfolding in the next couple of days. So we're recording this on Thursday night for people who are listening. So uh, we'll just have to keep our eyes and ears open and see how this uh, unravels in the next days and weeks. Yeah, we, we, we might have more on the next week's episode or the following weeks, like you said, upcoming. Yeah. Well, that's all for the show this week. There was no old dog or anything like that this week. It was just talking about our season. It's unfortunate that's over, but the NRL finals are here anyway. I thought maybe before we head off, we might... Which bandwagon are you jumping on that the Bulldogs are not in the finals? <laughs> I thought that's always a fun game. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to jump on any one team to support during the finals. I'm looking forward to a couple of games this week, though. Penrith versus Roosters. That should be... I think whoever loses that won't be able to win the Premiership. So, massive game on Friday night. Interesting. Uh, I hope Canberra does well. I think I have to wait to get to the grand final before I decide <laughs> who uh, who I'd prefer to win. But Penrith, I'd love to see Penrith or Canberra get a uh, get a premiership. There you have it. I'm exactly agreeing with you. Penrith, Canberra, they're the ones I'll be supporting through the grand uh, through the final series. Well, we, we can't come on a, a Bulldogs fans podcast and say Parramatta, so that's out. <laughs> and then. Uh, Melbourne and Roosters have had enough success lately, so let's see Penrith or uh, Canberra here. Eh? Yeah, I'm, I agree with you. It's the early 90s all over again. <laughs> it is, it is, <laughs> isn't it? I agree with you, so you've taken out the fun of the game already, but I'm getting... Uh, anyway, that is our show. We, we're looking to Pan, Panthers or Canberra to win it this year. Uh, 
make sure you follow us on Twitter at NRL Bulldogs fans. We're also on Instagram at NRL Bulldogs underscore fans. Facebook, we're new to Facebook at NRL Bulldogs fans podcast. Give us a like, give us a follow on that. Also, if you want to flick us an email, have your say on the show, nrlbulldogs.fans at gmail.com. That's how you get in touch with us. Please reach out and let's have some fun in the off season.